0: Hey, you're listening to the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast, and this is episode 92. And today we're going to be talking about the theme of discernment. Let's do this! Hey, thank you all for joining us for this conversation today. We are excited for it because this is something that we've been wanting to talk about for a long time, and it affects all of us, both individually and as churches and as communities. And it's the topic of discernment. And we've been wanting to talk about this because it's something that we all go through and we all have an understanding of, and we want to continue to develop that in our lives. As usual, Bernard is here. Bernard, what's going on?
1: What's up, what's up? How's it going?
0: What's up, what's up? Oh man, I'm excited because we've been waiting to have this guest with us for a while. In fact, probably for a couple years and it finally worked out. So we are so excited to have mee Kim with us. mee how are you today? Thank you for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Yes, we're so excited that you're here. Very, very excited. We know you're a pastor. We know you're a spiritual director, a counselor, a mother, a wife, child of God. What else would you add to that list? How else would you describe yourself?
2: Yeah, I guess like I think the most important part is that I'm God's beloved daughter. And I think the part that I'm recently learning about is that he delights in me. And um, Mm -hmm. living from that place has been challenging
0: but I'm learning. Mm. Good reminder for all of us. Thank you so much for that. As we're kind of jumping into this conversation, Bernard and I were kind of working out some of the questions. And we actually, before we jump into the theme of discernment, we actually want to ask you about your experiences of being a part of a Canadian Asian church, particularly a, a Korean church. I don't know if you know about this, but when people talk about you, they talk about how you are one of the most observant and like intuitive people. And so what are some of the things that you do see? And what are some of those experiences that you've had being a part of a Korean church?
2: Just so you know, I grew up in Montreal. And I've been part of the Korean Immigrant Church forever.
0: Forever. Since forever. the of time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love the Korean Immigrant Church, which is not a common thing that you hear. There was a short period of my life where I was finding it difficult to be fed and to grow. In terms of our Korean, I guess, immigration history, I would be considered one of the older ones who speaks English. And so I had been serving from, again, since forever. And so when it was difficult, couldn't leave the church because I was serving. And so I supplemented my um, church goingness by attending a black hispanic church and so i think that was my only time when i wasn't part of like fully part of the korean church even though i sort of was and i grew up in montreal i went to seminary in vancouver and so i was part of the korean immigrant church there and then as well in toronto now
1: as you're kind of sharing about your journey maybe you can talk a little bit about like how did you land you know in the realm of spiritual formation Growing up as a Catholic, that's kind of more natural and normal. But when I went into the kind of more evangelical narrative, like spiritual formation was relatively new, at least in the East Asian stories.
2: I mean, I think because my seminary training started off at Regent College. And so in that place, it was like Eugene Peterson, J.I. Packer, James Houston. These people are very big on formation. And so I think that I was kind of thrown into it. I think also being a woman and also being a pastor's wife, a lot of times what we do do is we listen to stories. And I don't think it's just my role. I think like I remember having adults sharing personal stories since I was maybe even in elementary. Mm. And I remember thinking, am I allowed to hear this kind of stuff? Like, (laughs) (laughs) why are you sharing this with me? But I think I've just always been a listener from very early on. and so. This was just kind of the pathway that God led me to. So what do I see in the Korean immigrant church? It's interesting because I had gone back to serve in the Korean church uh, after being away for about uh, maybe 10 years. And when I returned back to the Korean church, to my surprise, a lot had changed. And for me, it was such a consolation, such a joy to know that God was at work in the Korean immigrant church. Obviously, he was at work but that he was visibly doing something that I would have totally missed if I was immersed in the Korean church Ongoingly, In terms of the second generation church, I like Korean church. I think there is a shift that's happening for a lot of the people from my generation, because we didn't have people above us because they spoke Korean and we didn't, or maybe we did, but we were part of a different congregation. There wasn't a lot of mentorship or a lot of discipleship opportunities. They did their things. We did our thing. They prayed in their Korean way and we prayed in our way kind of thing. <laughs> but I feel like a lot of people in my generation really want to change things around where we do want to invest in the next generation, where we don't want to do the same things that happened to us. At the same time, I feel like there's a little bit of challenge because a lot of people don't know where to start because it's kind of new for us. And mm, so how do yeah. we disciple someone when we've never been discipled? Those are the narratives that come up a lot. But I feel like since the pandemic, a lot of has changed and people are willing to kind of step out of their comfort zone.
0: No, I really appreciate you sharing that. And the way in which you hold both together, where it's seeing God at work in a visible way, in powerful ways in the Korean church, and also holding together what's happening in the second generation Korean church, how that is part of how God is at work overall. Yeah, and I want to kind of ask you a little bit of a follow-up with that. Where's your heart going and where's your mind going when you ask that question, which is, oh, you know, when we feel like we hadn't been discipled and we're striving to grow as disciples and to disciple others, when it hasn't been modeled for us, then what? How do you approach that?
2: I think it's kind of cool, actually, because we're starting on a blank slate. And so there's no perpetuating of certain brokenness or certain, I don't know, certain ideas. We're kind of starting from fresh. And so I think, in some sense, there's a joy to it. And at the same time, you know, it's been done throughout centuries. <laughs> it's not like we have to pull, I think about just the Korean church. There's so many things that have been passed down to us. We have so many classical writers and so many people throughout history who've been doing it. And so There is a lot of opportunity to dig in and learn from other people.
0: I appreciate that so much. Thank you for sharing that. We need to hear that more often. We do need to hear that more often. Which brings us kind of to our topic today on the topic of discernment. Now, one of the reasons why we've been wanting to have you on our podcast is actually a few years ago, I heard you give a seminar on this topic with the Association of Churches that I was a part of, the CBOQ. And I found it just so refreshing in the way in which you framed up what discernment was, and it wasn't just making a decision; it was something much fuller, something just much more robust. And so I, I wondered if you could share a little bit about how do you define discernment, and how have you arrived at that definition?
2: I think a lot of times when people approach discernment, it tends to be focused on what they need to do. And so it's about making the right decision. From my experience, a lot of times those decisions don't actually impact them. And a lot of times those decisions that they make are focusing on a very specific thing. So such as my happiness or how much money I'll make. (laughs) And it's kind of wrapped around, oh, no, I want to do what God wants me to do. But underlyingly, there's something that, that is guiding their decision making process. With that, I think a lot of times we don't realize that we are making hundreds, thousands of decisions every day. We're just not thinking about it. And where do those decisions come from? They come from our understanding of who God is and who we are and how we understand our place in this world. Mm-hmm. When we don't actually think about those things, what happens is these decisions that we're making all the time without even thinking about it, those are the decisions that inevitably shape us. And so for me, discernment is really the ability to see and understand in the context of who God is and who we are and how he created this world to be.
0: That is definitely something for us to chew on and digest. That's big. That's huge. And I would kind of ask you, why, why do you think that is so important for the Christian life to discern in that way?
2: I think a lot of times our Christian life, there's two uh, other several things, but our Christian life has been kind of divided, where it's what I do and who I am. And really, there shouldn't be any of that division. I think the other thing is that we've become a very functionalized society, where it's very much about what we do, and how well we do it, and how do we evaluate that and all that kind of stuff. But when you look at who God is, he's a Trinitarian God which means he's a God of relationships. And when he created us in his image, he's drawing us into his relationship. So my prof, James Houston, he says, you know, if he had to define personhood, it's about persons in relationship. That's who we are. Mm-hmm. And so in essence, everything that we do needs to stem from the fact that we are relational beings, relational with him, and also connected within ourselves and connected with the world. And so discernment has to be connected in this context of who we are in him and living that out on a daily basis without any kind of disconnection. Yeah.
1: So with that definition, I'm curious for you to kind of comment on how has the practice of discernment been in, whether it's the churches that uh, you've been a part of or churches that you have observed, like, and how have people practice or not practice discernment?
2: <laughs> I think a lot of times our model of discernment comes from people like Gideon, where he puts out a fleece. I don't know if you've heard that a lot, but I hear that all the time. I put out a fleece or we'll pray for God, open the door, close the door. And it's interesting because Gideon, God was very clear to him what he wanted. And Gideon was not trusting in God and therefore putting out these little tests. And I don't know why we're using somebody who was not trusting God as our model. I think a lot of times we don't want the ownership of making a decision. Whereas for God, if we are in relationship with him, he is inviting us to make decisions with him. So I think one of the things that we do is things like for instance god closed the, uh, god closed the door this is where god wants me to go. And then when things don't turn out like we wanted, the hidden motives of I wanted good money or I wanted to be happy, we either turn on ourselves like oh something's wrong with me or whatever, or we turn on god saying you led me here, why did you make this happen? And not realizing that perhaps what we had secretly longed for, not realizing that the the decision that we were making was not so much about life with God, but more the outcome that we wanted.
0: Oh, man, that's a big one.
2: <laughs> yeah, so I think even in the context of like immigrant churches, I'm sure that Korean churches are not the only ones who have like language issues or cultural barriers or things like that. And I don't think we realize that a lot of the decisions we make are in reaction to rather than life with God.
0: I think one of the things that is coming to my mind as you are sharing, and I think this is so important for, you know, what you're saying is so important for us, is how often what you're saying in terms of not realizing that we're kind of operating out of this framework and operating out of this mentality is, is so subconscious. I think, in, in a sense, that many people would be like, no, of course not. Like, of course we are trying to discern and we are trusting God in this. But as you were kind of alluding to, it perhaps more follows the Gideon fleece model, which, you know, you just share, you know, that's that's exegetical work right there, ladies and gentlemen, for, you know, the two or three listeners that are listening to us. But to have a sense of like, no, this is where God is calling us. And it is towards life together with him and and in relationship with others as well and the world. And yet it's so tough because some of these perhaps cultural factors or perhaps some of the underlying subconscious parts of ourselves, like it's, it's almost hard to just admit that like we're actually not doing that because we think we are. It's almost like we think we're doing it, but we're actually not. And that's fascinating. I think it's fascinating because I don't think anyone would ever just say, no, of course, like, we don't need to discern, but everyone's like, no, yeah, we need to discern, but we might all be thinking and understanding that word in such a different way.
2: Totally agree. I think a lot of times, I don't know, I think <laughs> a lot of times when we make decisions, we, our focus is really, we don't want to make mistakes. Mm. We want to make sure that our life is foolproof. And we oh. don't realize that a lot of times really that's not, that shouldn't be our focus. Our focus should be about really holiness and life with God and living more deeply in his presence.
0: So would you say then it's a bit out of a fear, a kind of like a fear of making mistakes, a fear of not doing the right thing that people then understand what discernment is because it's so kind of emphasize on that, or perhaps it's like more geared toward like the outcome or to efficiency, productivity or whatever it kind of loses the sense that it's about our relationship with God and our relationship with others.
2: I mean, I think it depends. I would say it's more closely tied with our, I don't know what to call it, false selves maybe, or our broken selves. Where for instance, if I'm a people pleaser, then I would discern in a way that goes, God, I want to please you. Please tell me what you want me to do. If I'm a perfectionist, it would probably be more like, God, tell me what I should do so I can do it well and perfectly. You get the gist. So I think, based on our own neurotic self, I think a lot of times that will determine the framework from which we approach God and make our decisions.
1: Which is interesting because, like, you know, if discernment is not an, just an individual thing, then collectively, like our collective kind of unique selves kind of intertwine and interconnect Mm -hmm. and it kind of makes it even more of a crazy smorgasbord of like like are we just kind of all trying to please god in our own ways so that like we are appeasing this you know massive massive fearful god or or are we actually engaging with god in a in a posture of relationship and and faith and trust and love right
2: yeah for sure i mean i think I think this is why we need community, because my neurosis is probably not the same as your neurosis and probably not the same as yours. On the flip side, like you said, our communities hold a certain framework or story or neurosis (laughs) that we might be perpetuating as well. But, you know, we have the spirit who's guiding us. So and again, I think like if we're seeing it as right and wrong and that's the final answer, I think it's a scary thing. But when we see it as relationship with God, God uses all things to draw us deeper into himself. And therefore, it's the journey. It's the whole journey that we are leaning into and enjoying and learning how to walk with him wherever and however he leads. What's
0: been your journey in practicing discernment in this way? And you mentioned a little bit about, you know, being in seminary and we know you're a counselor and spiritual director as well as you have sought to practice discernment in this way, and as you've been learning from kind of all these different perspectives, what has that journey been like for you?
2: I would say, I mean, it's been obviously an ongoing journey, but about a little over 10 years ago, my health was just like in shambles. Nobody knows why, but it was hard for me to do anything. And at that point, I think a lot of a lot of the neurotic tendencies that I had, I had to let go of. And every day it was like, okay, God, I'm your beloved daughter. Even if I do absolutely nothing, it doesn't matter. I'm your daughter. And a lot of it was, can I trust you that I am where I am? And I'm called to live in the fullness of what that is, even if that means I can't do anything. It was pretty bad for about a year or two. And I would say it was during that time that I kind of like everything that I believed in was kind of solidified. Foundations were laid. So I think a lot of what I do now, I go back to those foundations. A lot of the neurotic tendencies I had let go of. And I see them creeping up, obviously. And <laughs> when they creep up, I'm like, okay, let's center ourselves again. Let's center myself again. And so a lot of it, again, is about letting go so that I can live from who God is calling me to live from. Was that a
0: difficult truth to accept that I am a daughter of God, even if I do nothing, was that something that was really hard to really live into?
2: For sure. I mean, in my head, I'm thinking, Oh, why was it so hard? (laughs) But, you know, I think it's almost, you can glorify it almost for about a week, you know, (laughs) but when it's just ongoing, and you have no idea if this is going to be your life till the day you die. At that point, it really is so difficult. It's so hard. <laughs> yeah, so it was like, started off okay. And then at one point, it was just like, this is this is not okay. <laughs> and that's when the battle happened, the internal battles.
0: Mm. No, I appreciate you sharing that because I think that gives you know a sense of purpose and hope for a lot of people going through that themselves that hey like this is still part of how god is working in my life and reminding me of these promises and truths that it's it's almost this unraveling and stripping away some of those layers that we've kind of built up on ourselves as as we think about oh what does it mean to be following jesus and what does it mean to be part of the church when those moments happen when we can't do anything and we're left with nothing else except these promises and truths to hold on to, I, I think those, as you were kind of alluding to, are so formative and so impactful and, and change your life that it, it really reorients your life in a completely different way rather than get caught up in you know, specific stories or frameworks or narratives that we were in before.
2: I think as humans, we just don't like limitations. And so whether it's my own physical limitations or whether it's limitations in terms of what I know, we always want everything. (laughs) And so I think, again, like me, it was physical limitations, but I tell people like, yeah, you don't know everything. That's the limitations that God has placed you in. The question is like, can you trust God with what Mm. you
0: have? Yeah. It's hard to kind of accept. hard to internalize for sure
1: it's interesting because like i was reflecting on job the other day and how like at the end when god kind of shows up at the end and he kind of reminds him well like where were you when uh, i created the world and that kind of humble posture for someone who is experiencing all these inability to control recognize like you know we're we're a blip in eternity, right? Like our lifetime here is a blip. And so uh it's it's humbling when you have that perspective, but when you're in the midst of it, when you want to control everything, it is very hard.
2: For sure, for sure. Yeah. We we feel like we have to know every single detail. <laughs> we have to have all the information. We have to have all the details, past, present, future. But what he's asking us again, it's a relational invitation of can you trust me? Can you can you come inside, you know, my Trinitarian relationship, my love? And can you, is that enough for you?
0: It sounds pretty much like our forefathers, foremothers, Adam and Eve, really wanting to know, you know, and eat from the the fruit of the tree of, the, of knowledge and good and evil. And it's like, it's almost like saying like, oh, you know, we want to know and we want to hold on to it. And is God not good for withholding that from us, but you know, God was calling and is calling and you know, will continue to call us all into that trust, that trusting relationship, that loving communion, and, and, and resting in that rather than pursuing that knowledge or that control. And, and this is just to kind of switch gears a little bit, but what does this process look like communally? What does it look like to do this with others and in our churches? Because sometimes we even think of discernment as a very individualistic thing, but what does it look like for a church to say, we are going to live in this way, and we are going to discern in this way all the specific things before us?
2: I mean, Anna, just a quick thing, I would say, well, I mean, our community is called to enter into deeper communion with each other and God unless we're doing that, how are we going to be discerning? Well, you know, it's really interesting because at uh, my old seminary, they did this whole discernment process and I can't remember the numbers, but there was something like 10 people wanted one thing and two people wanted something else. And in a democratic understanding, well, the 10 people win, but what they had done was they had gone around sharing, you know, why, why do we see this? And as they were doing that, they, they, the 10 people recognized what the two people were saying was very important. And so instead of hiring one person, they ended up hiring two people. And so like being able to really make space to listen to one another, I think is really important, but to backtrack, (laughs) I think a lot of what we do a lot is taking a pulse on where we're at. That's what we do a lot of, because a lot of times what we're wanting to do is, Hey, what does God want us to do? Or this is what God wants us to do. And we want to jump there. But we have no idea where we're at. We have no idea where the starting point is. So it's like, you know, doing Google Maps and saying, okay, well, how do I get there? And you have no idea where you're at. You just, you don't know, right? And so a lot of the things that we do is we start with where we're at. And so we kind of share, we pray, and that includes our desires and what we want. And from that place, we look at where we feel like God is leading us. And that's when we kind of discern how do we get there.
0: As you're sharing, I'm kind of identifying this tension that's kind of building up in me. And it's probably based on you know past experiences of practicing discernment and, and how hard it has been. What are you feeling? Like, I agree with everything you're saying. But I also wonder why it's so hard. <laughs> and I wonder why it's so difficult to... Listen to one another, to listen, and especially together to listen to God. And it kind of devolves to a, you know, which is the better, you know, answer or who's more right or who's wrong or what's the democratic situation? Like, why do we fall back onto that? Like, why is that our default? And even lack of awareness of what we're bringing into discernment, like you were kind of hinting at it a bit too, is that. It's like we sometimes even don't know if, it's like, oh, we think we can just kind of go in neutrally into a discernment process, but we're not aware of the things that are going on internally for us. So I'm like, so I'm listening to you, and I'm like, yes, and amen. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, all these feelings are coming.
1: <laughs> it's an addition to the question, ish, because like John was saying, like we we carry with us like so all these different things, but then like I'm sure there is also a lot of like cultural nuances that also. You know is brought forth depending on our kind of ethnic culture our uh you know a variety of different cultures that shape our imagination of you know what what does it even even mean to come together to discern and to make this decision right like it's usually is a decision-based thing but i yeah like i wonder if sometimes part of that struggle too is because we just want an answer right away like we don't really want to wait on god we just want to say, like, we pray, God, so give me the answer. I just want the answer right now. But, like, maybe part of the discernment is to wait together. <laughs> and why is that, like, so out of the realm of possibility? And and perhaps, and this might be, like, John John and I are, are studying our, our doctorate right now. And maybe it's because of all the readings that we're doing. It's like, oh, like, there's so much of, like, all the things that have, like, captured our imagination of church and like this is the way to do things actually is actually the culture that's teaching us how to be decision makers instead of the spirit that's actually moving within us so
2: yeah i was just gonna say um you know i think with my shift in understanding god is constantly trying to draw us deeper into himself even the discernment process to understand it in that context it changes things And so, if our goal is not to have the right answers, if our goal is that these people, we are learning to be community with these people, we're learning to have to enter into God together, then when the issues come up, then there is a clear revelation of how we're not being community or where we don't know how to be community. And so it shifts because now, Perhaps, though, we were interested in, you know, do we, I don't know, do we have weekly meetings or do we have bi-weekly meetings, for instance? (laughs) It shifts from that to, oh, you know, we don't even know how to listen. So maybe for the next few weeks, what we need to learn is how to listen to one another. Or maybe, you know, I mentioned something and they're asking me, do you believe in the Bible? Okay, then they don't, they don't trust me. So maybe then we need to learn on trust and what that looks like. And so the discernment process is kind of pushed aside because here's God. Again, God is revealing something deeper.
0: That makes a lot of sense for sure. And I think it's humbling, you know, when those things are revealed because perhaps we thought we were good at listening or perhaps we mm-hmm. thought we were in a good place with one another and then all of a sudden we start practicing discernment, and it's like, well, we're not good at listening <laughs> to one another. And, and that's just like, you know, it knocks us down a peg, but yeah. that could very much be the way in which God is at work, right? Rather than making a decision on whatever question we need to figure out, it's like, you know what, I want to reveal this about you guys, and this is the way in which my spirit is ministering and working in your life. And that's hard to accept sometimes, but hopefully we are open to seeing those things e- e- as hard as it can be because, you know, it, it very much is like, like, oh, man, like we don't do this well and it's hard to admit that.
2: Yeah, for sure. For sure. And like Bernard said, like, you know, then that probably means if we trust God with where we're at, then are we willing to trust him with the fact that we can't go as fast as we want to oh. and that we do have to slow down, right? Oh
0: man, that's, that, you know, comes to a head at this culture, which is about kind of, you know, let's, we got to move forward. We got to like, you know, you know, get this done. We got to get back on track. And sometimes it's like, maybe our call is to wait. Maybe Mm -hmm. our call is to work on listening and work on trust. And that's, that's really hard. Because I think a lot of people feel, and even churches feel that, like, oh, they feel that pressure that if they don't make the right decision on this, it has ramifications for the survival of the church or your effectiveness as a ministry or whatnot. And that kind of pressure can also, like, move us in the wrong direction. <laughs> Cause, for sure. Yeah.
1: What if the discernment is actually for a church to conclude? Mm. That's I think one of the things that we'd never talk about because we think it's a failure, but in fact, maybe it isn't. Maybe the conclusion of something is the birth of something new. Right. And we often have this stigma of like, you know, that there's no way, right? <laughs> but but, mm. but maybe there is. Mm.
2: For sure.
0: As we're kind of wrapping up this conversation for today, we just want to kind of ask you about do you see any particular cultural factors that, you know, exist whether within a Korean church, you know, Korean Canadian church or Canadian Asian church, which impact our process of discernment? Is there something specific from like kind of a Canadian Asian background that specifically affects how we discern?
2: That's a really good question. And I feel like I can name so many.
0: <laughs> um, we got to. We got
2: time. <laughs> <laughs> we got time. Time would be a, an example. <laughs> no one has time. Everyone's so busy. True. Um, true. Yeah. Very true. There's a hierarchical thing. You know, there's the whole like age thing. There's gender thing. There's just so many things. And yet I think one, I would want to focus more on this part, which is God in his grace meets us where we're at. And that means he even meets us in our culture. He meets us in our brokenness. He draws us out of it, yes, but he also meets us in it.
0: Oh, man, this has been very life-giving and very helpful. So thank you so much, Mian, for giving a bit of your time to join us today. This has been a lot for us to consider. What does it mean for ourselves and and our practice of discernment? So thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: And thank you to all of you for listening to our podcast today and joining our conversation. We appreciate you guys so much. Let us know what you thought about what mi shared today about discernment. What are the things you face when it comes to discernment? Let us know by reaching out to us, whether by Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or by email. Our email address is contact dot at gmail.com that's contact podcast at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you let's keep this conversation going on if you haven't done so already please remember to rate review and subscribe to our podcast and share it with others who you think this conversation might be helpful for and we'd love that we're able to invite more and more people into this conversation once again you've been listening to the canadian asia missional podcast and we hope you'll join us on this journey See you next time.